it's not so much the thing. It's if we look underneath and find the trail, we can be more compassionate with ourselves and with compassion and kindness to ourselves, we get curious about what's stopping us and how to unravel that, you know? So that to me is one of the biggest things. Raise 1000 Voices is the podcast on a mission to raise the voices of the clever, creative, and courageous women across the world. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and I invite you to join me in conversations with women who will inspire and empower you as we explore just how to lift our levels of self-trust, to reclaim the narrative, and to use our voice to go after exactly what we want, doing it with strength, power, and grace. Well, welcome to this week's conversation, which is with the incredible Erica Kramer, a conversation that I loved. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. So Erica Kramer is the queen of confidence. She is an international confidence coach and popular five-star podcast host. The Cardi B of the personal development world, Erica is a full-flavored, spicy, inspirational speaker with a large dose of heart and humor. After surviving many traumatic experiences from childhood sexual abuse, being in and out of the foster care system, car accidents, and a whole lot of loss, Erica is a beaming and beautiful example of how you could heal your personal story to transform trauma into triumph. Her mission is clear and she is unstoppable in her desire to create a global empowered community of women who want deep connection, accountability, and encouragement to go for the life they desire. She is perfectly aligned to the work of Raise 1000 Voices, and the world obviously agrees. Multi-award winning for a lot of her work and her podcasts. Erica's podcast has actually passed 1.9 million downloads. She has more than 75,000 followers across social media. And as you'll discover in this conversation, she is just down-to-earth, insightful, and the conversation is one of the more powerful ones that I've had in recent times. I cannot wait to share the wisdom she has with you. I look forward to hearing your thoughts as we close out this incredible conversation with Erica Kramer, the Queen of Confidence. Erica Kramer is in the house for the next episode of Raise 1000 Voices, and I could not be more excited to have her join me. Welcome, Erica. Hello. I'm so pumped that we are here finally. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like it's been a bit of an effort to get here, but that's everything these days, I think. Yes. So, Erica, tell me where you are in the world. Where in the world are you right now? I am in Melbourne, rainy Melbourne, Australia. (laughs) Rainy Melbourne. I think the whole of the East Coast is rainy in Australia right now. It's incredible. It's incredible. So Erica, for those listening along who don't actually know you, I've come to know you as the queen of confidence. It's how most of the world now knows you. So I'd love you to share just briefly the journey that took you from being Erica Kramer to the queen of confidence. Yes. Okay. So the queen of confidence is my alter shego. She's who I aspire to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, am I the queen? I don't, some days I feel like her other days I'm not. So she's definitely my alter shego. And I I grew up in Boston. So I'm Erica from America is usually where I would be (laughs) recording this, but I live in Australia. I've been here for 12 years. I basically just escaped a really traumatic upbringing with a bipolar mother, single mother, grew up on my own in the foster care system lots of sexual abuse. I was kidnapped when I was seven. Wow. I know. I joined the military when I was 17 years old, married my high school sweetheart, ended up in Florida, breaking my back, having a really terrible car accident where 
we were drinking and driving. I was 23 years old, didn't know anything. And yeah, unfortunately, it was like a mini wake up call because I had to learn how to walk again. I had metal fusion I still have in my spine and my leg. And it was kind of like a, what am I doing with my life moment? Yeah. And I started to go into performance because I really love acting and all of that jazz. And the following year, my husband unfortunately passed away in a drinking and driving car accident on his own. And that was just this humongous, like, whoa, you know, I, I'm, I've had too much trauma. There's been too much happening in my life and to lose my husband. And I had never dealt with death or anybody that I knew had died. So it really took me into this spiral of numbing out of control, alt delete, pretending that nothing happened, kind of like dissociation, really. Yeah. And I just drank and numbed out. And I met a man in Las Vegas. I was a hairdresser at the time. So I was in the military and at hair school. Gemini over here, <laughs> doing all the things and modeling. Gemini extreme. Yes, seriously. I'm like, yeah. So I went to a, a Las Vegas conference, met a guy who was from Australia. He seemed cool. He seemed like totally different. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, I love this man, my Skype boyfriend when Skype was a thing, and moved to Australia, sold everything and just left. I thought that I would escape my life. I think many of yeah. us do that. Like, I'm just going to move across the country and my stuff won't follow me, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's attached. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it's in you. You're not, it's not in your luggage. Yeah. It's in you and your trauma and your blood. And so I really realized coming to Australia that I didn't fix anything. And this guy was not a great guy, like bless his heart, but he wasn't great. And then I met another guy wasn't great. And then finally I got a moment where I looked in the mirror. I was living in Melbourne. And I was like, you are the common denominator. Like you and I have always been, Yeah. you know, it was like, we can't blame the trauma, my mother, my sexual abuse, this guy, that guy, it's been you against you your whole life. So when are you going to really look at this and start to commit to doing some work and unpacking all your shit, really? So at that point, I met my personal trainer who was seeing a coach and he was really lovely. And he ended up kind of putting me into the world of personal development. I married my personal trainer, which is a great little story. And I spent eight years, Jackie, like working on myself for eight years. Yeah. Every credit card I had maxed out, savings gone to really heal the crazy life that I had. And then decided after eight years, which is very important. I didn't decide after eight days or eight months. It was eight years of work, right? Yeah. I was like, I want to do this. I want to help women with this. And so I was a hairdresser. I became a fashion stylist. It was all external confidence. And then finally, after having my second son at home, had a home birth, beautiful, had a like shower wisdom moment and was like, who cares about the way people look and what they're wearing and their hair? Yeah. It's about the internal, internal world of confidence. And so that was the minute. It was 2018. We had no money. We were broke. We had two kids and a Tiguan. <laughs> like, what? You're going to leave your job and not make any more like 90K a year corporate job? I'm like, yes, I'm going to go for this. And that's when I started the Queen of Confidence coaching business. And, you know, we, it, everything took off and we started helping people and doing podcasts. And so it's been since 2018, really, mm. that I've started this. So, yeah, that's how it happened. I love this. I love so many things about this. There has been some events recently in my life and people say to me, how did you have the confidence? Like, what did you do? And I'm like, I didn't do a single thing. I think it's like the 12 years I've like yes. burrowed in. And for me, it's nine years since a divorce. So, you know, divorce is confronting, losing someone you love is confronting and it upsets your whole world and you either get messier or get better, yeah. right? And I've made some big stumbles along the way, but that 12 years of going deep, unpacking everything internally, healing, taking responsibility for that, mm -hmm. like 
I said to someone last week, it's not one thing. I didn't like have one superpower. It was just all these things finally came together. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, you don't get a moment where the heavens open and the angels sing hallelujah. Yeah, we wish. <laughs> all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't respond that way anymore. And it's, yeah. and so I love that as well. And I love, I just really love that it was eight years, not eight days, because I think the world is full of, and I think part of the reason we've got such a lack of confidence, the world is full of like, give it to me fast, give it to me fast. And mm-hmm. and we've got to slow down, haven't we? We've got to really yeah. slow down. 100%. What do you find with your work? Because I know you do this incredible healing work for so many women. What do you find is the thing you have to go after to really get them back into center and in confidence? Well, one of the biggest things I think is that we don't believe that the way we grew up affects us. Mm-hmm. I think we've heard so much psychology and women just like, oh, my childhood, and we just roll our eyes. And we really, we see our childhood and our upbringing with grown up eyes. Yeah. And so we really diminish our own experience. And we think that's not a big deal. My parents got divorced, but I had a good childhood. That's not a big deal. You know, I never told my mom that my uncle abused me, but you know, that's fine. Like I didn't have a hard life. Like I, a lot of women are like, my life wasn't like yours, Erica. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Like, this diminishing of what really happened for us as young people, as adolescents, the environment that we were raised in, the people that were in our lives as role models, whether positive or negative. And then we wonder why as grownups, we don't know our numbers. We can't hold a job. We don't have great relationships. We keep attracting narcissists. You know, we have no boundaries. This isn't stuff that you just turned into a woman one day and you suck at it because you're not good enough. Yeah. This is you know, ingrained from how we grew up and who we grew up around. And so I think that people want to roll their eyes at that and go, oh, I'm not that messed up and I'm not going to do therapy or coaching and work on myself. My problem is this little thing here. It's kind of like the problem with drugs. Like we need to take the drugs off the streets. It's like, it's not the drugs. Why are people using drugs? Yeah. It's the root cause. It's like what's causing the addiction. Exactly. It's not social media. It's not Instagram's fault that your daughter has an eating disorder and doesn't love her body. Why is she on there following the Kardashians and their diet? And bless the Kardashians, but like, why is she doing that? Why don't her parents speak to her? Why doesn't she feel like she can share that? So it's not so much the thing. It's if we look underneath and find the trail, we can be more compassionate with ourselves. And with compassion and kindness to ourselves, we get curious about what's stopping us and how to unravel that, you know? So that to me is one of the biggest, the biggest things. Yeah. What's the number one thing you see actually holding women back from taking that step to unlock that inner confidence again, to get back in touch? Yeah. I either will get a, I don't have enough trauma and the comparison. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I live in Australia and I, my, my parents were pretty good and like parents got divorced, but I don't have enough. Like I'm not, there's, I'm not enough. Yeah. I'm not enough to do that. Who am I to do that? There's not enough in trauma. Yeah. This is kind of mind blowing to me because like there's so much self-worth conversation out there about I'm not enough, but we've got, as you know, I teach women how to have a voice Mm -hmm. and it's like I had in every program, I have at least one person say, I don't have any trauma in my lived experience. So I don't think I have the right to speak. And it's like, what? No, yes, you do. So because you don't have enough trauma, you don't have a voice. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the the judgment of like, I mean, for a four-year-old, for your parents to split at four, that is traumatizing for that four-year-old. Like, we diminish that experience because we're like, oh, that wouldn't be so bad. As an adult, it's not. But no, as a four-year-old, 100%. It breaks your world. Yeah. These little things that we think are tiny and we just diminish. And so that would be the one of the big ones, like, I don't have enough. And then the other one is women going, I have too much 
and I didn't die. And there's no way in hell that I could go back there. So I don't want to go back there because if I go back there, I'm going to be depressed and the bad things are going to happen again. And let me just bury it and put it under the rug and just pretend that my life is great. And they're just so scared to open Pandora's box and what that is going to mean for them. Yeah. And, you know, you've obviously done a lot of work. I've hinted that I have as well. It is scary going through it. There's no denying it. It is scary. It is like, where is this going to end? But it does, Mm -hmm. you know, and it ends forever. And you can handle it. Yeah. I mean, you already did it. Like we already, like if you're listening to this or watching this, like if you already went through something difficult, you're breathing, you're alive, like you're here. So you overcame that thing that you thought you would never overcome, or you could not find a solution. If someone said, you're going to deal with this and you're going to go, no way, there's no way I can. You already did. So you might as well get the lessons and the teachings and the, the jewels from the crappy situation. There are so many diamonds in the crap, but we don't want to put our hands in the crap. We don't want to deal with it. It's like, you already did it. So like, you might as well get a reward from that. You know, like, yeah, this is where the learning comes from. So ladies, put your hands in the crap. Yeah. 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 Bro, get some gloves. <laughs> you'll be all right. <laughs> all the visuals. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to the visuals out there. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we're finding in the work that we're doing, you and I had a conversation around this is we changed our programs. We shifted to working just with women mm. about six months ago and had to change our programs because in all of our sales calls, all of our conversations, and when women were coming into our work, what I realized was I can teach them to speak and to sell and to pitch and to negotiate and give them all those strategies, but their worst enemy was their internal voice, mm-hmm. right? So we've had to change everything. So we spend eight weeks with women working on their internal voice. We go after the internal voice first. Are you finding that the internal voice is the biggest barrier to these women moving forward, that self-worth, that inner critic, that inner dialogue? Totally. Our, our self-talk is yeah. huge. The I think it's like the lack of self-belief and you know, what is the, one of the symptoms of a lack of self-belief is like, well, if I'm not good enough, who am I to say that? Yeah. Or am I going to look stupid? Or can I say, I'm not going to speak up. Like in my podcast, I say like, show up, speak up, stand up. Like we need to show up. We need to stand up. We need to speak up. And if we don't, then it's like, of course, you're not going to create what you want. No one knows what you want in your mind. I'm not in your head. And if you won't even allow yourself to think about what you want, to tell someone what you want and to ask for what you want, like, that's like what you do. These are all the layers. And so mm. one of the bigger blocks is caring what other people think about you. Yeah. Being fearful of judgment of yourself and others. Therefore, you're not standing in your power and you're not speaking. You're not setting boundaries. You're not talking. It's this, I'm not good enough. Who am I to do that? Yeah. And obviously it comes from the way we grew up and the stuff we haven't dealt with. And when you haven't dealt with that, then you don't think you have a voice. You don't think you can you're worthy of taking up the space, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I do know. So what's your fastest tip? Like if somebody wants to go out there and start a process of, you know, not caring what others think of being able to claim that power, what's one of the fastest quick tactics that you've seen work for women? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lady I love, Byron Katie, and she, she's just blown my mind. She's a mentor and beautiful woman. And she talks a lot about being generous. Yeah. And so she goes, I'm generous. I'm a generous person. And I allow people to think whatever they want to think about me because I'm generous. Mm -hmm. So maybe that helps you to flip it and go, you know what? I'm a generous person. And so I allow everyone to think whatever they want to think about me because 
I'm generous. So that's one thing. You can start being more generous and letting people have their thoughts and ideas about you. The second one is, I think we need to really realize that as human beings with our brain and the evolution and, and being in tribes and fly to fright and all that stuff that we have from evolution, we're always going to want to fit in. We're always going to want to be accepted. It's literally in our survival brain, you know? So mm -hmm. this is a fact. However, caring what people think about you, being normal to allowing the opinion of others to stop you from creating what you want, that's not okay. So do I care what people think about me? Of course we care. We're humans. We love people. And this is the thing that we have. But do I let the opinion of others stop me? Absolutely not. And so really making that distinction for yourself, if you're listening to this, where in your life right now are you allowing the opinion of someone else to stop you from showing up on social media, from doing a speaking gig, from putting your hand up to join a program, from asking for a pay rise? You know, where in your life is that happening? And investigate that because caring and thinking, cool, but allowing it to stop you, yeah, that's going to affect your joy and your life and your everything. I mean, it's going to affect everything. And lastly, and you talk about this, I'm sure, is like, how are you speaking about yourself? Yeah. You know, to yourself. Mm -hmm. That quote, Lisa Hayes, like, be careful what you say about yourself because you're listening. Yeah. Do not underestimate your own self-talk. I'm so stupid. Uh, I'm never going to be confident. I'm not good at that. No, I can never do that. Wow. That's a big statement to say. So yeah. we don't really stand a chance with you and I as a coach and helping our clients. If our client thinks I'll never, yeah. we can't support you. You know, and it's also too that self talk is so dangerous. I find because it, and you know, for everyone listening, we create self talk and the inner critic because it generates from a place when we had to be kept safe, right? But then what happens is we never question it, so those thoughts just keep going, and we turn them into generalizations. So everything comes, I never, yeah, I can't, yeah, I wouldn't, and everything becomes just universally applicable instead of just. That one situation where I couldn't do it becomes I never can again. Yes. And it's really, really, really interesting to me the way we get caught up in that. You know, our inner dialogue is the thing that we actually have to go after. Mm. You know, what I'm seeing show up time and time again is that, you know, most women that invest in themselves want to make a difference. Would yeah. you agree? Like they're, they're like, I know I'm meant for something bigger or I know I'm meant for something different and they want to make a difference. But the thing stopping them is their inner voice. And what I find is, what I'm finding is I don't believe that the strength of our outer voice will ever outstrip our level of self-trust, mm. right? And then that level of self-trust is actually dictated by that voice inside our head, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like this echo chamber. And, you know, when you get them to say it out loud, they feel crazy. Yeah. And it's like, you feel crazy because it is crazy. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Believe all these untruths. You know, I get my clients to watch the movie as part of my program. It's like inside out. You know the movie Inside Out Pixar? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm like, that's you, okay? There's a panel of people in your mind, and we're basically all like multiple personality. And there's the angry one, there's the fearful one, there's this one, there's the judgmental one, there's the really happy one, there's the sad one. And like, who's controlling the reins? Who's, who's at the front of the house all the time, every day? If you're not happy with who's running your mind and who's running your thoughts, you need to start asking questions and investigating and figuring out and going, why is it that I'm always so easily offended? Yeah. Why is it that I'm, you know, the quiet one that's always shy? And you could be introverted, yeah. but it doesn't mean you need to not speak. Like, that's another thing. And so if we're not paying attention, like you say, to that inner voice, inner voice is everything. We can't do mm -hmm. anything externally. And that's why I stopped styling. I would dress women. Their hair would be amazing. Their nails, their makeup wearing an amazing outfit for their body shape, their colors, all that stuff. And they're like, 
I hate myself. And I'm like, yeah, what? Your outfit and hair is amazing. And so little me couldn't understand. And I went, oh, there's internal. Like Mm -hmm. we need to call the wardrobe inside the thoughts. We need to be calling that, not your closet. Like the things that aren't serving you, that's what needs work. And then when you do the inside, the outside benefits and the outside doesn't even matter as much because the inside is sorted, you know? I think my biggest realization was working with women to get them onto stages and get them speaking. And, you know, some women have been speaking for a while and we reshape it and we do what I call push them through the tipping point. So instead of being, oh, you're so good, you're so wonderful, your story is amazing, we get them to, it's like you're in my world. Like, it's like, you're. are you inside my head? Are you looking inside my windows? Like when you spoke about that, it reminded me, like, so we push them through the tipping point. And I had three speakers, female speakers in a row that we actually got to keynote level and they nailed it. Like the first presentation out of the gate, nailed it, got what we call the trifecta, which is you're rebooked, you're booked by someone in the audience and you pick up a piece of work, right? That's what we call the trifecta on big stages. So one of them was on a stage of of Australian big stages. One of them was on a stage of like 500. One of them was on a stage of about 600. One was on a stage of about the same. Mm. And every one of those women crashed afterwards, right? Every one of those women. So we knocked it out of the park. Their content was incredible. They got rebooked. Their testimonials are mind-blowing. They're like, what do you crave? And then every one of them crash. Mm. One of them actually hasn't been able to get her vo- her throat to unlock since, right? Yeah. Another one was literally in the fetal position for a week, right? Because they, for the first time in their life, they were seen, they were heard, they got their dream, mm. and all of a sudden that inner voice was like, well, that won't last. Mm. That was just a flash in the pan. Like they didn't really tell you what they really thought, like this whole inner dialogue. And that's when I realized we had to go after the inner voice first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We had to go after the inner voice first. So when it comes to women, you know, your, as you talk about in your podcast, it's what does it show up, speak up, stand up. Yeah. Right. So women who haven't found their voice, who don't speak up, what breaks your heart about that? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, how do we know what we desire if we're not willing to listen to ourselves? So the first part is like, you don't even let yourself dream because you think internally, you know, like, who am I to do that? Or I could never have that. And I'm talking dream in your head. I'm talking dream in a journal. I'm talking dream on a piece of paper. I'm talking to yourself in the shower. You know, like I'm not saying get on Instagram or go put it somewhere and cement. You know, if we can't even in our own minds play with the idea of the vision of, oh, I'm going to be on stage with Tony Robbins and Oprah's couch and all the you know, these big visions that we have to impact, if we're not even able to dream in our own minds, that is something to be looked at. And then the second part would be from your mind to your mouth to saying, hey, Erica, mm. I really want to do this. Yeah. Ooh, that's scary. You told one person yeah. to then actually moving into action to make that happen. Yeah. Then it happening like it did for your women. And then it's like, I love this. I always think about the quote from Marianne Williamson, our deepest fear. Yeah. I don't believe, and I believe women, but I don't believe when my women say, I just don't think I'm good enough. I'm like, that's bullshit. Who brushed your teeth? Who did your makeup? Who brushed your hair? Who put underwear on your body today? Like who painted your nails? You went to a hair salon, you got your roots done. Like, I'm sorry, the part of you that is worthy, that believes you're worthy of brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. So you do think you're worthy and you're not fearful that you're unworthy. You're fearful that you actually are amazing and that you're worthy and that you're powerful beyond measure, as she says, that's what you're scared of. Because then who would you be? Who would you be if you were awesome and amazing and everything was working out for you and you were living life in your dreams and you were married and happy and whatever you want, you had everything. Who would you be then in a world of people that are like, 
I don't have enough. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough in comparing ourselves. The reality I believe is that we know we're powerful. We know we're good people. We know that we are strong and amazing and we can do it. Yeah. And that's what scares us. Like, yeah, because it's, it's actually, it disrupts this view of the world we've been conditioned into. Yeah. And that's exactly what I believe happened for at least one or two of these women mm. was like, they realized the source of their power. Like we took away all the roadblocks to not stepping into that power. And it was like, I am powerful beyond measure. Yeah. And it was terrifying because we hadn't done the inner work. Mm. So we, that's why we now go after it. And I think what you spoke about then was, because my next question was going to be, what do you think the cost of this is? But I hadn't never articulated that it's the loss of dreaming, Mm. right? If your head is so busy with this, you can't, you shouldn't, you won't, you can't, you never. I hadn't actually thought about the fact it leaves no space for dreaming, does it? Mm, Yeah. Where's the vision? I mean, that's one of the beautiful things we get to do. And it's not when you'll get the dream or how you'll get, it's like just letting yourself sit in that, you know, I'm not an affirmations person because I I once heard, yeah, I I can't stop. (laughs) Okay. Like anti-affirmations. And you know why? Because we don't do it right. We just, I want to be a millionaire. No, we don't. I want to be a millionaire. It's like, okay, what's in that? Like the affirmation should move you. You should feel something. You should see it. You should get emotional. You should visual. Oh my gosh. This is, your body and your mind don't know the difference. We know this. Like when you think a scary thought, yeah. your body's like, let's go. We're going to war. We're being chased by a tiger. Yeah. You know? No, I'm just watching. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Queen of the South cartel show on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. The best show, by the way. Yeah, it's the best show. But it's like, I'm already stressed out. And I'm watching the show. I'm like, that's probably not the greatest thing for me because your body's like racing and you yeah. it's literally preparing all the hormones in your body for war. Like yeah. you're on the defense. And so if we're not paying attention to this, it's like, my gosh, mm-hmm. these are the things that can happen. It's yeah, wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is absolutely wild. And I'm so glad to hear you about the affirmations because part of one of our programs, which is the Confident Voice, we actually one of the elements is ditch the affirmations. Yeah, like, oh, love that. What? That's sacrilege. It's like, no, ditch them. You know, and what we do, I actually use the Dr. John Martini exercise. And yeah. what we do is we get out word for word what you say inside your head, right? Word for word. Every single sentence that comes out of, that doesn't come out of your mouth, that circles in your head, mm. goes down the left-hand side. Right-hand side, you write the exact opposite. And then you physically cross out the left-hand side and read only the right-hand side. Mm. And it actually starts to, and then we always read the right-hand side. And because you've gone after the words in your own brain, yeah, it works. Because if you're sitting there saying, I'm rich or I deserve money or money comes to me easily or I'm going to be a millionaire, your unconscious mind, your five-year-old child inside your brain is saying, bullshit. <laughs> You don't save money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on ASOS all the yeah. time, wasting money. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and it's like it creates this inattention and we wonder why we're stuck. Mm-hmm. It's because like inside, like you said, you said before about the hormones get ready to go to war, but our own mind is at war because yeah. we're doing this bullshit affirmation that's going on out in the world. And our unconscious mind is going, yeah, that's not you. And you know it. And so we get stuck. Where'd you pick that up from? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it sounds cute for someone else. Yeah, exactly. Like your unconscious mind is doing that day in, day out. And that's why I'm really big on. So I'm so happy to hear you say like anti-affirmation. Yeah. Like go after the words in your own head, rewire those words. Yeah. Absolutely. But don't just grab affirmations out of the sky. No. And then from other people, it's like, what? I mean, it literally if it doesn't make you feel something and draw some emotion it's uh, it's just dead yeah you're just saying wah 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 you're like what's that charlie brown you're wah 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 that's what yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah there's no there's no feeling in that where it's like yeah. you know i'm here to impact 
as many women as possible. And it's like, yes. yes. And then it's like, okay, close your eyes. What do you see? I see rooms of women in pink and like, you know, like speaking and helping and empowering women. I see faces and I'm like, whoa, I'm, right now my body, I have some chills. And like, yeah. so my body's like getting geared up for this to happen. And Dr. Joe Desenza, I love him. He's like, yeah, when you do your meditation, right? Like, he's like, if you don't see it and you don't feel it, when you get up from that meditation, it should be like, you just did that thing. Absolutely. And your body believes it. Like, your body will get up and go, wow, we just spoke in front of a room of a million women and I impacted the world and it was amazing. Yeah. And you walk around with that energy. That's how we manifest. That's actually how we manifest. Yeah. It's not this like manifestation and dreaming and crystals and sage. And it's like, well, that doesn't do shit if you don't believe in it. No, no. And it's, and it's, you know, and even from a faith-based side, you know, there's a, there's a guy from Asia somewhere, but he's, de- he's developed this thing called the fourth dimension mm. prayer ritual. And it's actually the same as Joe Dispenza. So I'm looking at Joe Dispenza stuff. I'm looking at this stuff going, oh, oh. same thing, yeah. right? So it's that it's that visceral immersion into that future state. And that is the fastest way yeah. to get where you're going to go. Yeah. Like if you can't feel it, no one else will. Yeah. When I'm teaching women to speak, it's like, first of all, because everyone's about the audience, the audience, the audience. And I'm like, I get that. Mm. But it starts with why does this matter to you? Mm. Like, because if you can't, sink yourself into why this matters to you or the moment that you realize that this was your calling and this was your thing. If you can't sink yourself into that, you don't get the resonance that you need to connect to the audience. Mm. So if you can't go first to you, you actually can't connect deeply with the audience. Yeah. So I love what you're talking about because we've got to immerse in it. Yeah. You know, the resonance is what matters. The resonance is what connects. Yeah. It's not, it's not your words. Of course. And then imagine if you don't know who you are, you don't know you're not accepting of yourself. And like me, for example, like I am a really out there person. I'm an American Puerto Rican woman living in Australia. You know, there's no Puerto Ricans here that 0.43% of Latinos, Australia, 0.43% of Latinos. Like there's not like I'm looked at. Everybody looks like me in Miami. Everybody looks like me, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Not very special over there unless you speak to me. I'm special, but I really could blend into the crowd here. You know, I'm wearing bamboo hoops and I usually have crazy nails on and I'm very self-expressed and very me with neon and pink and what a superpower. And I'll be honest, for my whole life, especially in Australia, 12 years I've been here, I thought that that was the worst. I was like, you can't be who you are. Like you have to wear blazers and jackets and be polished and you can't speak like that. You can't wear big. That was you? Me. Like Lily me. Like you can't wear hoops, like hoop earrings make me look too Latin. I'm not wearing hoop earrings. Wow. It's hilarious. I'm wearing hoop earrings right now. Yeah. yeah. And the most Latin hoop earrings, right? With my name in them. It's ridiculous. So how unfun, like I wasn't having any fun. I wasn't allowing myself to be who I was. I was worried about judgment. So I was trying to fit into this box of wear a, a suit jacket, be proper, speak in a way, learn this, become scholarly. Like I wasn't an educated woman. I grew up on food stamps, food bank donations, in the hood, in the ghetto, like, you know, street smart woman, dancing, modeling, and I'm really out there in my sexy vibes and came here and was like, everything that I am is wrong and I need to not be that. Wow. And now, like, I'm about to speak next week. And now I'm, that's what I use. I'm like, hey, J-Lo, let's get loud on stage and I will swear if it it resonates and I'm going to be fully expressed. And it's like, The thing that we are fearful of and the thing that we deny in ourselves, Mm. when we flip it, that's actually your superpower that part of my brand is imperfect. Like when bad things happen in my brand, my team's like, oh no, I'm like, that's okay. We don't give a shit. That's who we are. Like we allow that. 
It's a very good strategy, by the way, because then when things mess up, because <laughs> it's uh, yeah, everything's usable. <laughs> yeah, that's actually on brand. So perfect that we have typos in the book. That's fine. We've got fifteen hundred books printed, and there's typos. Great, you know, like yeah. it's okay. It's okay. So when yeah. you find out who you are, and you get good with who you are, and your things that are air quotes deficiencies and bad that you've been told your whole life is crappy. Like if you speak fast or if you, you know, stutter, you move your hands around. It's like you can actually use that as a superpower because everyone else is going to try to get it right and be perfect and be proper and be so damn boring that you watch Tony Robbins speak and you're like, whether you like him or not, you can't deny the man's presence and energy. And absolutely. He looks at you and you're like, whoa, like whether you like him or not, like that's his flavor. It's like, what's your flavor? Yeah. You get to be your flavor. Yeah. And I think we we forget to look into our flavor. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's it's one of the things I think, you know, we forget that we came with a flavor. We forget that, yes. you know, we get so boxed in and we unconsciously choose to be boxed in. Mm-hmm. I find um, when women, we kind of, I do a lot of archetype work for speaking archetypes. Yes. And I'm really loving it. And Awesome what you do, Jen. It's so good. Yeah. I'm really, yeah, we're going to share more of that over time. But Yeah, good. The thing that I find really amazing is that women kind of go through, there's a lot of women coming into my world in their 40s and 50s, right, with this work. And women who, they kind of like get rid of one identity. So Mm. when we do this archetypes, it looks at their core speaking identity. And they get really surprised quite often because it's kind of like permission to be who they are at the deepest level. Mm. Someone they've forgotten they were. And what I find really interesting is somewhere in our 20s and 30s, we kind of shake off that first identity so that, you know, that first level of personal development, if you like, Mm. it's like, actually, screw you. I am not that. I'm me. And what we don't realize is that's that's the midpoint. Mm. So that second identity, when we throw off the first one, a bit of rebellion, a bit of like, this is who I am, and we stake our claim in the ground. That's kind of like the midpoint because we don't realize we're still actually choosing that identity within the confounds and the boundaries of what we've been conditioned to. So it feels like rebellion, but it's actually not, Mm. right, because we're still putting the boundaries. And then when we get to 40s and 50s and we go through dark night of soul and who are we really, that's when we unlock the true identity. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's when we remember. And for some women, they hit that in their 20s. Some women never hit it at all. Yeah. Right? But it's that I identity and understand we came with a flavor yeah right you know we came with pizzazz and sass and so speaking about that though who do you think or who you admire as really strong powerful feminine voices in the world at the moment like we're kind of talking about all the things we should be and yeah yeah, yeah. but who do you really admire as strong powerful feminine voices at the moment Oh, that's a hard question. I have, I take pieces of people. I'm like a pieces person. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I never take the whole thing. I'm like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to mush it. <laughs> yeah. And I think you should, I should like, no, I even said to my clients, like question me, yeah. don't listen to everything I say. Like, don't ask me about motherhood advice. I'm messing that up. You know, like, don't ask me about this. Like I might not know <laughs> that, but I can tell you about this. So I love, oh gosh, who do I look up to as a female right now? It's hard because I don't see myself portrayed. Like yeah. I really, I think the women that have, I've got a little bug here. That's great. <laughs> Life. I think the women that have um, like a Maya Angelou, she's not no longer with us. Like yeah. I really, really loved her because there was so much peace and there was so much love, but there was so much power and it wasn't, yeah. I'm, I'm really struggling with the movements right now with women's voices because I don't believe in you know, kind of dismissing men and either do I saying male dominated. You know what I mean? There's, I, I just find that 
there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like attacking of men and how they're holding us down and a pay gap and this. I don't feel held down and I'm a marginalized woman of color. I don't feel held down by yeah. any patriarchal anything. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's not real, but I, I choose, like you said earlier, responsibility. I choose to go. There's no pay gap when I look at my bank account and I'm getting on stages and I'm going to break through. Do I have to blaze a trail? Yes, but I'm a trailblazer. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I struggle because it's one of the things that I'm trying to do in my career right now is where's the Puerto Rican Marie Forleo? Where's the Latin woman that's doing this? Well, there's J-Lo, yeah. you know, and that's not really it. There's Cardi B and that's definitely not it. But I love parts of Cardi B. Yeah. I love parts of Tony Robbins. I love parts of Gary Vaynerchuk. I can't say that I have one woman that I fully love that kind of look up to and believe in. Because, and it's not that I don't, I think a lot of women are doing great stuff, but I like to look at pieces of what they're doing. Mm. And like, I love what Oprah's done, Yeah, you know? And then there's stuff that I don't love. It's like, why did it take us so long to talk about real stuff? And then, mm. you know, like there's, like, I can't really resonate with the Gabby Bernsteins of the world. Cause I, I feel like I want some Gary Vaynerchuk vibes in there. Yeah. And I don't know that I feel like a lot of women that are on the platform are scared to go there. Like yeah. Beyonce's lyrics go there, but Beyonce in person doesn't go there. And I'm like, come on, Beyonce, yeah. say the stuff you say in the song in person, like talk about that. Like, yeah. Let's have these conversations. And so I really struggle to choose one, but I do feel like there's here in Australia, like Emma Isaac, I love her and I look up to her because she's so raw and real about the reality of business and motherhood and six kids and yeah. how she runs her life. Really good friends with Kemi. And I love Kemi because she's just teaches me about boundaries and owning who you are and stepping into your world. And these are the women I look to. And I love looking to women, like even what you're doing, like it's so powerful what you're doing. I don't know if people realize the impact that you are making with the one woman yeah. who learns to use her voice. What is she going to do with that voice? Like, oh my God, I just love it. Yeah. So to me, it's like the everyday heroes that are doing these things and continuously work on themselves. Because there's a lot of people that get a platform and they're not investing in coaches or healers or I know therapists. And I'm like, yeah, where are you getting your details from? And why should I follow you if you're not continuously questioning if you're right or wrong or mm. the truth, you know? So yeah. Yeah. What I love about that though, and I hope the audience takes this away because I, my whole career before becoming a coach and advisor was in male dominated spaces. I was in labor hire. Wow. I was in mining services. I was general manager of a mining services company. I was an industrial relations consultant. I did 27 EBAs with a hundred percent success rate. I was a union breaker. Awesome. I was CEO of a traffic control company. Oh my right? gosh. You know, and it's really interesting because it wasn't until I was moving into the coaching space and people were like, but how did you do that? And it's like, what do you mean? How did I do it? Like, you know, and I remember actually being CEO of the traffic control company and I was at a lunch and I was speaking and we got to the Q&A and I was the only female executive in the industry in the state at the time. Wow. All the other female executives were people who owned their own little boutique mm. organization, right? Or in HR. And I actually had a guy stand up from the audience and say, so how did you know you could do it? And I said, do what? He said, do the job you're doing. And it was like, I don't actually understand the question. Yeah. And he said, well, as a woman coming into a male-dominated area, how did you know you could do the job? I said, because it wasn't about coming into a male-dominated area. Mm -hmm. It was about the job yeah. and I could do the job. And so what I love about that is, you know, some of my greatest mentors because of the space I was in were men. Yeah. Some of my biggest champions were men. The person who hired me to be the CEO of that organization was a man. Yeah. 
right? And so what I love about that is we should be taking bits from both sides. So when you say you know, like there's a bit of Gary Vaynerchuk and there's a bit of Tony Robbins and there's a bit huge. Oh. I really want the women in this world, like I I want the women in this world listening to us now to understand it is not either or. Mm. Mm. Right? It yeah. is not either or. I'm so grateful for that answer because oh huge. Yeah. Women just have to get out of their own way. It's like I went to a mainly men environment and breakfast and I posted some social and I got these comments about, oh, I can't believe that you're supporting the patriarchy and all these men. And it was common enough to come enough to comment. And I went back and I said, so most of you commented are consultants. Yeah. You're actually wiping out a very lucrative market in this room right now. Like, you know, get over yourself. Right. Yeah. And how do we make change if let's say, you know, and I'm, I'm a Latina. Okay. So white men are the devil and everything about is a white male and white male can't be trusted. Okay, cool. How do we make change though? Yeah. Cause we're not going to kill off white males. We're not going to do that. Are we like, that's not a great idea. So no. how do we get places and discuss our ideas? And you know, it's so funny. This is a whole other thing, which looks like a rant that I love to go on, but like women fighting for our rights. It's like, I want the woman who knows who she is, who's fully outspoken, who's owning who she is, who's done the work on herself, who's questioned her beliefs, who's healing her trauma and all the bullshit. I want her fighting for my female rights. Yeah. I don't want the woman who who literally goes to an International Women's Day event and then goes home and goes, I'm such a fat bitch. I hate myself. Why did I say that? I'm so stupid. I don't want that woman fighting for my rights. No, thank you. Yeah. Because it's activism without you looking at your own backyard. And so it's like, when you actually do this work, you realize that there's no enemy here. No, there's I'm... shifting and changing that needs to happen. And who makes the change? As Gandhi said, you, yeah. you be the change you wish to see. Mm-hmm. You want more equality. You want more rights. Speak up. You want to have more women dominating leadership roles. Get on that, like get there, like talk, like put your hand up, like, you know, start acting like you matter and your opinions matter and you're worthy to be listened to. What if you showed up like that at the boardroom? What if you showed up with that confident version of you that was like, hey, what I have to say today, you're going to hear it. What if you put your hand up and said, excuse me, everyone, I need to say something. Yeah. Boom. What if you didn't give a shit what they thought about you? What kind of results did that woman get? And until everyone's doing that, I'm sorry, there's so much work we have to do as women and we're really unkind to ourselves and other women. So how are we going to rise and see? And maybe that's interesting that that's why I, if I was to say who I am, I'm like Gary Vee you know, Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, a sprinkle of Cardi B and JLo. That's what, you know, Yeah. and, and I don't love what Cardi B is doing, but I love her. I don't give a shit what you think about me. I'm getting paid. Yeah. She actually doesn't care what people think about her. And I don't agree with her lifestyle choices and what she says and does, but I love that part of her. Yeah. And then I love that Gary can be in a t-shirt in an Uber on his way to a $150,000 speaking gig. And he hasn't even planned what he's going to say, gets on stage, says something similar to what he said in the last talk, yells at people, says true shit, and then gets off in a t-shirt and jeans. And I'm like, yeah, women can't do that. Yes, we can. I can. I'm doing that. Oh my goodness. So last night I was at a business awards event and the MC was stunning, tall, beautiful, fabulous MC funny, witty, in flat slides. I love that. So evening gown, spectacular evening gown. And she turned around and it was split up to her amazing, <laughs> like six inch, six foot legs. 
And she turned around and she went to walk off and I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my goodness. She's wearing like literally a pair of $5 flat slides from Kmart. I'm like, Love it. yes. Comfort. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Like she just, it was practical and comfortable and she owned it. Yeah. And like, you know, and everyone there was like, oh my goodness, she's not worried. Oh my God. Like everybody was celebrating yeah. that she pulled that off. Yep. Right. Because she wanted to. It's like, that's what we need to be doing. So yeah, yeah. I really, if you're listening to this and you're like discouraged by the industry or discouraged by pay gaps or discouraged by... You know, I think let's look at how are we treating ourselves? Are we being kind to the woman in the mirror? Can you be kinder to her? And then if you are kinder to her, you will start to believe that you deserve to be in these spaces, that your voice should be heard. You'll go for, I mean, there's so much research done on confidence with men and women. Yeah. Confidence code book, those two women who researched like millions of so much research around how men think differently to women and they will apply for the job even if they're not competent, they will actually, mm-hmm. they think positively like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Where a woman is like, I am competent. Like I have all the skill set, but I still don't think I'm good enough and I won't apply. Yeah. Now that has nothing to do with female, male, male dominated. No, that's an internal choice. That's an internal choice. Exactly. Like, honey, how are there some women? And so I look, and that's another thing. I look for our brain is looking for what's wrong. Mm -hmm. This is another thing about thank you, our evolution. We're looking for danger. We're looking for what's wrong. In 2022, what's wrong? Wrinkles are wrong. Pimples on your face are wrong. Crow's feet is wrong. You know, falling over publicly is wrong. Like embarrassment is wrong. Okay, that's what we can look for. So look for people who have done something that you want to do. So Mm -hmm. instead of my brain training me to look for how I can't do it, how I'll never do it, because it will find evidence. Believe me, there's a lot of evidence of how we're not going to do what we want. There's evidence. But I'm like, flip it. Look for a woman who's done what you want to do and had similar situations or hardships. And so when I look at Oprah and I go, Oprah should not be where she is. Like she has such a difficult life. Like Tony Robbins had such a difficult life. There's a man who's a professional speaker, Nick. I can never say his last name. Djokovic, Djokovic, something. Yeah. He's got no arms and no legs. Yeah. He tried to commit suicide when he was eight years old and drowned himself. He has no arms and no legs. He's a professional speaker impacting millions of people. He's got three kids with a woman. Like what a choice that he made. It's like, look for evidence of people that have done what you want to do despite their hardship and you will find a way to do it. But we look for how we can't do it. There are thousands, billions, millions of ways of how you can't do it. Yeah. it's uh, Years ago, I remember this woman seeking me out after I spoke on a stage and she was early stage career. So post-grad, two or three years post-grad in one of the big fours. And she was saying to me that she couldn't find a female mentor within the company. And I said, well, you know, look at the other big fours, look at that. And I said to her, hang on a minute. I said, what's your favorite thing? Like you're on the grad program. You've obviously been through a number of the departments. I said, what's your favorite thing to do? She said, And she just lit up. She's like, I love corporate strategy. She's like, she loved hard-ass, high-level corporate strategy. I said, darling, you don't need a female mentor. Mm. Go and find the guy that is the most kick-ass at corporate strategy and owning it and become, channel him. Channel him into you, but channel him. Stop looking for the female mentor. Mm. Look at the person who's got the skills you want. Look at the person who's... The person. Yeah. You know, not gender bias. And she, about three months later, she sent me an email. She said, best advice I ever had. She said, I'm working with a wonderful man. And he's, he's so encouraged by the fact that she put her hand up, mm. you know? And so it's like, think outside the square, like you said, totally. like really think outside the square. Yeah. And I'm thinking about a devil's advocate, somebody listening, going, yeah, but I was sexually abused by a male and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. I was sexually abused. I was kidnapped. Like I've got all the reasons, 
not to trust men, to think they're dirty and bad and gross and horrible. But would I be doing myself a disservice by blanketing every male, every white male, every male in leadership, you know, even if I have an occurrence with that? Is that them or is that my stuff that I haven't worked on? So if you find yourself going, yeah, but it's like, cool. What part of that can you take some responsibility for? Yeah. Maybe that's coming up as an area where you need to look at that. Maybe that's an area to work on with a therapist or a coach. Maybe that needs some work. And if you overcome that, like I have, like you have, because I know you've had a crazy life as well. If we've overcome that and other women have overcome that and we're successful and we're doing what we want and we're impacting people, which at the end of the day, that's, that's the goal is impacting others. Yeah. Why couldn't you then? Yeah. You know, like, why not you? Why not you? Yeah. Why not me? Why not you? Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Erica, we could talk forever. Oh my God. We need to have a lunch together, girl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hopefully I'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's might be a, a flight to Melbourne coming up really soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I would love to wrap up with, I mean, we've gone through so much and I love the conversations I've, you know, we've had a couple of conversations now, which I just enjoy every time. And I could hang out with you. Like I'm thinking of yeah. beach house with some wine. <laughs> yeah. So as we wrap up though, what are your final pearls of wisdom? What's the final message you want to leave the women in the audience who are listening to us? What do you want to leave them with? Okay. So I think everything that we've talked about, this will wrap it up really well. I want you to ask yourself, what if the person stopping me was me? What if it was me? You know? Yeah. What if the person stopping you was you? And if it was you, what could you do today in this moment to work on that? Boom. Boom. Get it, girl. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I love it. Erica, thank you so much for joining oh. us today. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the work you're doing. And I <laughs> cannot wait to have more of you in my world. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know yes. all of you, the audience and Erica, better as we get through this journey. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise 1000 Voices. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. And if you have, then I would love you to subscribe to and rate the show on your favorite platform. Our show notes, resources, and links to all our socials can be found at anygiventuesday.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a growing community of clever, creative, and courageous women who know that they want to be seen, heard, and remembered, then join us in our Facebook group, Raise 1000 Voices. Until we speak again, take care and remember, you were born to raise your voice.